Welcome to Project Seek, a podcast dedicated to helping young people develop as they grow in their walk with God. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Project Seek, a brand new apostolic podcast with apostolic content. Today, I'm with a former graduate of Indiana Bible College. He is the music director at the Pentecostals, and he was recently appointed section for youth leader of North Carolina. Austin Extel, welcome to Project Seek. Hey, man, it's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So I know you have a lot of experience in the music ministry. You spend a lot of time learning and perfecting your ministry. But may I ask, how do you know you were called to the music ministry, and what did that process look like? Man, you know, um, I knew I was called to ministry at a very young age, Um it was born of uh, kind of just prayer meetings that I had. I, I don't know if every everybody had these when they were kids, um, but I, for some reason, I don't know if my parents instilled something in me, but there was just times of prayer um, when I'd be alone or by myself. I was a bit of an introvert. I spent a lot of time, to be honest, by myself. Um, and I had, you know, I had three siblings, but, you know, I was more of an introvert and they were all extroverted. And so I liked my quiet time, time by myself to think. And, and I would pray during these times. I uh, uh, would sing little songs I'd write or whatever. And I remember during that time, God impressing on me uh, that I was called the ministry. It was something I wouldn't ever tell anybody, um, but it was something that I felt. And um, I didn't know what that would look like. I was afraid to say it would be preaching or whatever. I was afraid to say what it might be, but I did feel that tug and that desire um, to be involved in the work of God and to be giving myself to that purpose. And, and so as I um, developed and uh, grew older, um, I remember uh, music became a bit of an outlet for me. Um, I, you know, would use it to kind of uh, decompress at times and to kind of, um, I'd write songs, I'd sing, I'd play the piano, I'd even sing with friends or family. So it was a form of connection. It was a way to connect with people, but it was also a way for me to connect with God. And um, and so, uh, you know, it was uh, it just became really beneficial to me for a long time, where it was just something I did for myself. Um, and um, I don't uh, feel, I never have felt necessarily a call to music ministry. Um, I've never put music as my calling or anything like that, but I have felt always felt called to ministry, and ministry just simply means serving people, and music has been an incredible outlet that I have had the privilege to be able to serve people, and um, and so that um, desire in me to be involved, to be able to do something to help people, to serve people, to love people, and to engage in a purpose, um, that kind of led me to develop my skills. And of course, I went to Bible college where uh, I really was able to uh, grow the, in those giftings quite a bit. And so uh, God really helped me during that time. And I, uh, you know, I would say to those people who maybe you don't feel called to music ministry, um, but God has gifted you with a passion for music and, a, and some ability. Um, don't think that, that it's one or the other. If you feel called to preach or teach and you feel called to other aspects of ministry, 
it's not one or the other. A lot of times, God gives you the opportunity to serve in a lot of different capacities. And so um, while music ministry has always been a part of my ministry, it has not all, not been all of my ministry, and God has um, placed a lot of different things in my heart as well. Um, so um, God called me to Bible college um, when I was 19 uh, years old. It was at a hyphen church camp, and um, the preacher was doing one of those things where he was telling people that uh, somebody today is about to hear from God. And he said, somebody's about to hear the voice of God. Everybody just listen. And I remember thinking, it's not going to be me. <laughs> like, God ain't speaking to me. Like, I just knew he wasn't. And um, uh, the Lord uh, obviously kind of shocked me there. And he spoke to me a very direct word. Um, he told me to put my plans for Bible college on hold to follow him. I mean, my plans for secular college, my apologies, on hold to follow him and to go to Bible college. At the time, I planned to get my MBA. I wanted to, I wanted to get my MBA. I wanted to be a businessman. And, um, you know, I thought I could bless the church financially um, and even, you know, uh, support the church and um, still do whatever God wanted me to do in ministry. But, you know, I just practically I, I thought it would be good to be a businessman and be out in the community, be able to reach people. But God told me to put those plans on hold. And um, I went to Bible college and the Lord provided and made a way for me to make it there. Sometimes it was me working three or four jobs um, but sometimes it was God graciously providing a way where I could not. And so I'm very thankful for the time that I had there that shaped me and molded me. I probably wouldn't be who I am today without Bible college, without what happened there. And so um, that's a big part of my calling. A big part of my calling is was answering the call of the Bible college first and getting a firm foundation in the Word of God and theology um, and in ministry and some practical tips um, for ministry as well. And then in terms of just music, you know, God, that's just one way that God has uh, allowed me the opportunity to serve um, his kingdom. And so I'm just thankful to be able to do that. So in your experience and in your opinion, what makes a singer a good singer? Hmm. So that's a good question. Um, just uh, practically speaking, obviously being able to sing the correct notes, <laughs> Um, being able to sing um, without going sharp or flat, you know, um, having tuning and developing your ear. But most people who are interested in singing can do that, um, at least at the basic level. So, um, you know, it, and we are all our own worst critics. And so sometimes we get in the way of what we really can do. But um, I would say if you're interested in singing and want to gauge whether or not you can be a blessing to the music department is the number one thing that you can do to make sure and ensure that you're a blessing to the music department as a singer is to learn how to sing harmonies. Um, they're not the most, they're not solos. You're not going to be recognized for your great harmony parts by somebody uh, in the audience. Um, you're not going to get a lot of recognition for it necessarily by them, although your worship leader will recognize it, and they will be so thankful to have you on the team. But learning how to sing harmonies. I uh, taught one little lesson on harmonies to one of the students that I teach at AMT, and um, I taught one little lesson on base the basic concepts of harmonies, but then I challenged that individual to go um, to go practice harmonies every single day. Get in the car, 
listen to uh, songs that have harmonies in them that, that, that are clearly represented, and try to pick out each part, the tenor part, the alto part, the soprano part. If there's a flip, try to pick that out too when they flip parts. And, and so just figuring out um, you know, harmony parts. And that in one week, that, that young lady, she learned how to sing harmonies. She hadn't really had any experience. Like she couldn't sing harmonies before this, but she could sing generally. And um, she had some giftings there, but she went and practiced it for one week. And the next week she was teaching it uh, to a group that we call Young Praise. Um, it's a group, a band that, that works. Um, and so she was teaching it to Young Praise and teaching them harmony parts and did an excellent job. And so in one week she went from zero and then she was able to teach it to others. It's not hard to do if you put some intentionality to it and you develop yourself in it. Now, she's a better harmonist today than she was that day. You're not going to be the best right off in one week, but you can develop yourself. And when you are trusted with harmonies, um, then you're trusted as a worship leader. Typically, once you they know you can sing harmonies, any church will be happy to have you as a singer. So um, I would say develop your ear for harmonies, develop your ear for singing in general. Make sure you're consuming music on the regular. You're constantly singing, you're constantly listening, you're constantly growing. You can grow with a teacher, you can take some lessons and train, and that's going to be probably going to be able to grow you at a faster rate. But even if you don't take lessons, you can still grow yourself consistently by, by consuming music consistently and by putting attention to it. Um, and so that's probably the main thing I would say to be a good singer. Obviously, learn how to sing harmonies, learn how to sing the melodies well. Um, be, uh, be good at blending with other voices. You know, don't be too, if, they, if they're flutes, you don't want to be a trumpet singing really loud and really brash. Uh, learn how to blend, breathe through your notes and all that stuff. And we could have a vocal lesson right here, but, you know, that would probably take <laughs> too much time. But they're, you know, just practically speaking, that's one of the best things you can do. But in ministry, um, too, if you want to be a good singer, somebody who is going to be effective on the worship team, you know, be humble, um, defer to others. Don't make it all about you. Don't make it all about you getting the solo parts. Um, um, be selfless, be humble, and God will use you. God will definitely make room for your giftings. You don't have to fight for your giftings. If you will just stay faithful and you'll do your best and you'll uh, love others, serve others, God will open up opportunities for you to be used mightily of God. So what do you do personally to avoid burnout? So um, it's an interesting uh, question. I think burnout is one of those things. I think we often think of burnout as something that happens when I have too much on my plate. And I, I do think it's possible for somebody to take on a lot. And they're going to have, I think it's not just possible, it's probable. Um, that each of you, as you're in ministry, are going to have moments when you're going to have a, uh, a bottleneck, so to speak, of, of pressure. You know, everything kind of bottlenecks into one little week where you're really, 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 it feels like every single thing in your life, all the commitments you've made seem to happen in one week, and, and you feel strung out for that week. And I think that sometimes we think that that's burnout, and I would say that's just everything happening at once. Maybe it's uh, something you couldn't help, or maybe it's something you could have planned to be better at, you know, planned it to where you didn't have so much in one week that you had to do. But a lot of times, burnout comes from a lack of motivation. Um, we start telling ourselves the stories that we want to believe, and sometimes we start telling ourselves we're tired, 
Uh, we start telling ourselves this is too hard. We start telling ourselves, we start getting stressed and wound up. And, um, you know, and so sometimes burnout is just, we need a fresh, uh, a fresh perspective on what we're doing. Sometimes it's just, a, it's as simple as thinking about the purpose of what we're doing, the reason why we're doing it, because God loved us enough to give us, to privilege us with the opportunity to serve and love people. And we didn't, we don't even deserve to be doing anything for the ministry because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's right. But God has gifted us the opportunity to serve. And so sometimes it's just a shift of perspective to start with. It's, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start seeing ministry and what I'm doing as a privilege and not a burden. This is a key component. When we, uh, even as a church culture, if we start to view coming to church, doing the things in the church as a burden, it suddenly shifts the culture and the mindset to the point where burnout is going to become, well, that, that feeling of burnout that you get is almost inevitable at that point because the wrong mindset is going to lead you to that. Now, we're humans and we're, we're, we're very capable of getting in wrong mindsets. So here's what you have to realize. You're going to have times where you're probably going to have the wrong mindset. You have to be faithful anyhow. Just be consistent. Be faithful. Be true to your commitments Go and do it, even if you don't feel like it. And ultimately, when you get through that season, God's going to reward you. And ultimately, um, you'll be able to see, you know, the faithfulness of God. Personally, so you asked, what do I do personally uh, to do better on burnout? One thing is, I do not work when I'm not in the right mindset. That's good. I don't. Um, If I feel stressed, overwhelmed, that's not when I go hit the books. That's not what I'm going to do. Um, because if I'm working in that environment, I'm not accomplishing a whole lot. I'm not. I'm stressed. I'm getting done in four hours, what normally I could do in one hour because I'm so stressed and so overwhelmed. I'm not in the right mindset. Your brain's turning about all the other things and it's stressing out and it's not being productive. So what I do is, um, if I'm able to, I'll try to come up with a game plan for when I will do everything. Um, But if I'm not, I'll just tell myself this. In the right mindset, I'm going to sit down, and in the right mindset, I'm going to do everything I need to do. And I know know myself well enough to know that mornings are good for me. I'm really good in the mornings. I can do a lot more in the mornings than I can in the evening. Don't ask me to stay up till 3 a.m. and finish a homework assignment or finish something that I'm working on. Nope, I'll get up at 5.30 in the morning. And I'll work on it then, and I'll, be, I'll, I'll do it in a half hour to an hour, what normally would take me all night to work on. And so um, don't try to work when you're not in the right mindset. Just don't. It's fun. Just go do something that gets you in the right mindset. Go enjoy a hobby. Go hunting. Go fishing. Go play football with your buddies. Go hang out with some friends. Go have a good time. And then understand that once 8 o'clock hits tomorrow morning, I'm getting up in the right mindset. I'm telling myself the right story. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to be in the right mindset to get this done. I'm telling myself that. Sometimes you have to just claim it in faith in a sense. I'm going to do this tomorrow. And, you know, if it doesn't happen for some reason, it's fine. I'm going to do it. I just keep telling myself that. I don't let that discourage me because I'm human. I'm flawed. We're all human. We're all flawed. And if we're not careful, we will get to the place where we think that we have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect. Just, Just do the best you can. And ultimately, you are going to accomplish what you need to accomplish in the, if you'll give yourself the right time to do so. Plan accordingly. Understand yourself. Understand when you work best. 
and spend those times taking advantage of that, committing to it, being diligent, being dedicated, being disciplined, right? You can't accomplish anything without those things. That's right. You need them. And so um, be diligent even when you don't feel like it. And, um, you know, don't, uh, here's another thing. Don't ever make a decision, a major decision, when you're feeling, quote, burnt out. You don't, you don't quit when you're down. Don't do that. You quit when you're up because when you're up, you have perspective. Okay, Absolutely. this doesn't seem like the wisest thing to continue doing right now because I'm maybe doing it right now, but I understand I'm not really capable of operating at this level consistently. But sometimes when you push through, you realize I'm capable of operating at a higher level now. And so um, don't, don't give up when you feel down. That's not when you give up. If you decide to cut something out of your life, if you do it. When, you're, when you've prayed about it, when you've asked God, when you've counseled with your pastor about it, and you've asked him, what do you think is best? Sometimes sometimes he'll you, if you're asking him for permission to do something, pastor will say yes. But if, if you ask him what he thinks you should do or would be best to do, he might give you a different answer. So maybe before you start telling him your answer, you know, ask him and counsel with those who are wise in your life. They're not going to force you to do something you don't want to do, but they might know, uh, have some insight into what might be best for you. So... So you're a recent uh, graduate of IBC. So what are your thoughts on Bible college? Who is Bible college for and who is it not for? Man, um, Bible college is an incredible, incredible thing. The fact that we have uh, so many Bible colleges in our organization um, is such an incredible thing. Um, it A Bible college can train somebody for ministry in a way because it's four years of dedicated focused time on you developing some key things in your life and in your ministry that will help you for the rest of your life in ministry um, and so Bible college is it's a big commitment um, but it is one of the best things that you can do if you feel called to ministry if you feel called to ministry to the work of God um, and you've got your pastor's approval, and your pastor says, I think this is a good idea, and maybe you've counseled with others in your life um, that are um, important in your life, um, your mom, your dad, and everybody's on board with it, and everybody's saying, yeah, I think this is a good idea, or at least they're okay with it. Um, I think then that Bible college might be for you then. Um, it's something that you should pray about. I think number one, on that list of people that should um, be for it is God. <laughs> if oh, you yes. prayed about it and you feel the Lord is is pushing you in that direction, and sometimes you know you're you're operating on the faith you know, and sometimes you don't know for absolute certain, but you feel I, I think that's what He wants from me. I think if you'll pray about it and you'll seek the will of God for it, I think God will make His direction clear to you in time. And um, you know, if, if you're not called to ministry, if you don't feel called to ministry, um, you don't want to be in ministry, don't go to Bible college unless the Lord just tells you to, you know, because uh, probably if he tells you to, he's about to equip you for ministry, even if you don't want to be. That's right. But, you know, unless the Lord tells you to, if you don't feel called to ministry, Bible college is not the way, the place for you. It's not an easy place to live. It's a, it's a sacrifice. It's a, it's a different environment. It's very high intense on, on, in terms of you're going to be consuming a whole lot of the word, a whole lot of services, chapel services. Um, it's, it's a great environment for that. It's a great spiritual environment, um, a bit of a bubble in some senses, but it's a good bubble, a time where you can spend 
focused in on the right things, focused in on your ministry. So I, I do believe that Bible colleges are very, very important for training ministry. Some of you guys are probably in churches that have incredible pastors who pour into you, and maybe you'll be able to develop yourself in ministry right there under your pastor. But some people, um, you know, they don't have all those resources. And so, um, and Bible college can be a great, great place for them. I would just say pray about it. If you feel called and um, the God is telling you to do that and your pastor agrees with you, um, God's not going to go against what your man of God says. But if your pastor agrees with you, um, then it's a definitely something that you should consider. So what tips could you give to someone who is wanting to go to Bible college? Um, so, um, you know, uh, don't be a perfectionist about it. It's probably, um, you know, if you're paying all your own way, you're going to have to work really hard. Um, and you're, it's going to be a really big challenge. But if God's called you to do it, um, or if you, maybe there's details about, about going to Bible college that you're unsure of. Um, but you know that God has told you to go. Um, don't doubt the Word of God. If God's called you to do something, if God's called you to go to Bible college, He's going to make a way for you to get there. He's going to provide. He's going to give you the strength and the resolve. It may not look necessarily like you thought it would, but God will ultimately come through. Um, when I was in Bible college, God called me to Bible college, and, um, you know, my parents weren't able to pay everything, um, you know, pay for everything um, as I went there. And so I paid mostly uh, for myself and with um, provision that God had provided throughout the, the four years that I was there. But it didn't always look the way I thought. Um, I did have to go home for a semester. Um, now, if I didn't know I was called of God to Bible college, if I didn't have a specific word from God and really kind of sought after that in the, in the first place, I might have gotten discouraged and not come back. And lost out on so much good stuff that I got those last two years, including my wife, actually. Um, but um, I would have lost out on so many things the will of God has has had for my life if I'd given up. But because I knew I had a word, I knew that, you know, going home was just a setback. It wasn't ultimately a sign that God is, doesn't want me to go to Bible college. And so, um, but I went there and, and there were setbacks and there's frustrations. Um, but when you're called, you you weather all of that and you just trust God. And ultimately, he's going to make a way and provide for you. Um, and I could tell you, I told you the, the hardships, but I could tell you many miracles and things that God had did uh, throughout my time there that provided and made a way for me uh, to stay there and to uh, ultimately receive the the, um, the investing of the IBC into my life. So, um, you know, just if you're wanting to go, just know it, it, it's not going to be you're not going to have everything worked out perfectly, especially if you're not if you're doing it on if you got your parents paying for your way, then like you're you're really blessed. But you know if you have to figure things out, sometimes you know it, it's hard and it's definitely challenging, and sometimes it's beyond your capacity. And um, but God will give you strength, and He'll make a way um, if you will work hard and you know do your part. God will do His. So. So before when you mentioned about burnout, you mentioned. Uh picking up hobbies or, you know, activities that you do to avoid burnout. So what are your favorite hobbies or pastime? Well, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to be outside. I love to be outdoors. Um, you know, I, I got buck fever uh, when <laughs> I came down here to North Carolina. I've always wanted to hunt all my life. I, I would drop hints at my friends that hunted and kind of mention maybe them wanting to come let me come hang out with them while they hunt or whatever and 
and nobody ever took me up on it. And so I ended up just never learning it. I didn't have the uh, equipment or didn't even know anything about hunting, but I just always had an interest in it. And um, when I moved here, my father-in-law, my now father-in-law, um, he is a big hunter. And, and so uh, my first year I shot my first buck. And since then I have had buck fever like nobody's business. And so I, I've definitely become one of my passions. I love to hunt um, and uh, love to fish. I love being outdoors. Um, I like playing uh, sports a lot too. Um, I like being active. Um, I, my my uh, little brother-in-law, we play football and basketball, pretty much any sport he's into. Um, I figure out how to play it, and we just have a good time together. Um, you know, um, anything that just kind of involves, you know, keeping myself busy, um, you know, and being outside. If it's outside and busy, I like it. And those things kind of help me, especially hunting. I love to hunt because you sit in a stand, and there's really nothing quite like. Uh, now, you, you, you kind of have to put aside the fact that you may not see anything because you go hunt maybe seven, eight times and, and only see, you know, maybe a doe or, or squirrel or, you know, and so you may not see a whole lot every time you go, but if you just enjoy being out there and being able to be at peace and just sit there and maybe bring a book or a podcast or, or something and, and just kind of enjoy being alone in that solitude with God and your thoughts and writing sermons and thinking about things and and so I, I, I really enjoy that. It's a, it's a really an outlet for me. Um, and so it kind of, I work hard, but I hobby just as hard. I try, I try to, because if, you, if you're all work and no play, that's not how God intended us. I believe that God intended us to, to find fulfillment in our jobs and in our ministries. But he also intends for us to have a good time and enjoy life um, whenever possible. And so it can be great for your mental health. I do, I highly encourage finding some form of hobby for for your life that you can enjoy that's something that will that's not work you know something that will kind of keep things fresh for you so so when you're on the platform whether you're playing an instrument or singing how do you deal with the nerves um so uh first of all nerves are um, not a bad thing uh, nerves can really help you keep your energy levels higher when you're nervous uh, you know in order to sing you have to sing with everything you've got sometimes, because if you don't, you can't sing halfway when you're nervous. When you sing halfway, it's like a mouse, you know, singing. So when sometimes when you're nervous, it really forces you to have to put yourself out there and really sing, because if you don't, you know it's not gonna be good. So sometimes nerves play in your favor without even you realizing it. Um, you're going up there and you're doing a great job because you're hyper-focused on doing a good job, because you're nervous. Um, but I would say um, that that's good for a season, but at some point, especially with certain things, you don't want to allow fear um, or something like that to get in the way of you receiving what God has for you in that moment. And sometimes when you're leading in worship, you're leading and you're ministering to others, but you're also being ministered to by God. You know, you're singing in those lyrics and those words and you're getting yourself in the right mindset, you know, to be able to receive from God. And so I would say pray. Um, pray, get your, get your, get whatever it is that's causing you to be nervous submitted to God. Trust Him. You're not perfect. You have to understand you're never going to be perfect. You're probably never going to have a perfect performance. You're probably going to mess up and make mistakes. And um, it's vulnerable when we do that. But a lot of times we just have to humble ourselves 
and say, God, I understand I'm not going to be perfect, I'm flawed, but if you'll just use me anyhow, if you'll use me as your vessel, uh, I'm trusting you, God, to be able to use, you've put me in this position, I'm trusting that you're going to be able to use me despite my shortcomings, despite the things that I'm not capable of, you can still use me. And I'm working at my craft, I'm developing myself, I'm trying to get better at my, I'm not being lazy, that's not the intent, I'm not going to go out there and never grow, never work on myself, but I, but when it comes down to it, um, I understand that I've got to shoot my shot, you know, um, and just trust God to be able to, um, to take care of things. So if you could say anything to your younger self, what would you say? So I would say, um, don't be a perfectionist. Um, I would say fail trying because, you know, failure is an integral part of success. If you don't fail, you don't learn, right? And so when I, when I was younger, I was such a perfectionist that this is a good example of it. I was in, and when I was in high school, I wouldn't turn assignments in, even if they were like 80% done. Probably would have gotten a B on it, you know, because I was, everything I did do, I, I had right in my, like I got the, I made sure, I was such a perfectionist, right? So I would have gotten 80%, even though 20% wasn't done, I probably would have got 100 on what I did do. But I wouldn't turn it in because it wasn't perfect. And I think there was kind of a pride there. Um, and that perfectionist mentality really held me back um, and, and kept me from growing in areas as a singer, as every aspect. Of, when you have that mentality on things, it doesn't allow you to grow because you won't let yourself fail. And you won't, you're not humble enough to allow yourself to fail, even if it means failing in front of people. And so, um, so I would tell myself to, to allow for failures, allow for mistakes, and just shoot your shot. Fail trying. If you fail trying, then it's going to get better. But if you fail not trying, then there's shame and condemnation, and there's no lesson learned. But when you fail making a mistake, but you're trying, then you learn your lesson. You, and then the next time, you get better, and then you get better. And I know we all hear this, but I, I think somebody needs to hear this right now. If, if you think that, that you know, you, if you have this kind of mentality in your heart, if there's something in your heart that, that says, I, I, I don't want to expose myself, I don't want to expose my weakness, you know, humble yourself. Let yourself make mistakes. You are human. None of us are, are perfect initially. That's right. And to be honest, the definition of perfect in the Bible is not what we, we talk, think about in, in modern day. We, we think of perfect as without flaw. But the Bible, the biblical term perfection means mature. It means I've learned from my mistakes. But how do you learn from mistakes if you don't make any mistakes, right? Well, your mistake is not doing anything, really, is what happens. And you don't learn from anything because of that. But if you fail trying, then you learn from those mistakes. You grow from those mistakes. And you become mature and perfect in Christ. Why? Because I've tried and I've, I'm working at it and, I'm, and I understand I'm flawed. I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. I don't need to be perfect. I don't have to put some face on for people like I'm perfect. I, I need to, that, that humility and, and, and it, people actually are attracted to that. When people see that you're not so full of yourself, that you think you're, you have to always have that perfect face on. When you're able to be humble enough with others, it actually attracts them to you, but also it helps you grow and be better as well. And so it's, it's really a powerful thing. It's like the Bible just, you know, knows what it's talking. It's like God just knows what he's talking about, you know. Be humble, humble yourself, 
Don't be a perfectionist. Let yourself fail. Let yourself make mistakes, but grow from those mistakes. And watch God begin to change you and transform you, mature you in Christ, and make you into somebody he can use for his glory. That's really good. Thank you, Austin, for joining us on Project Seek. To all you listening today, I want to say thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time.